Coming up next on the Dart Network podcast, you'll meet Gerald Northcutt, an Army veteran who has enjoyed a 25-year career in trucking. Gerald joined Dart last August. And as you'll hear, it was on one of Gerald's first trips to Dart's Lancaster, Texas facility when he first saw the military wrapped truck that would eventually become his ride. Here's a preview. My first trip down into the Lancaster yard, I saw the truck sitting there. And I'm like, you know, hey, that's really cool. Just in general, it's cool, but any veteran gives a touch of respect and honor. To me, that is just golden. I can't describe it. I mean, it was like a wash of, of emotion. I have nothing but utmost respect for the guys that came before me. And for me to be out here, still able to drive, especially after being almost dead, I do not take any day for granted. Welcome back to the Dart Network Podcast. Thanks for connecting with us again on the Pod Wheels Network. In this edition of the podcast, we'll be talking with Gerald Northcutt, who, as we mentioned in the preview, is one of the newest members of Dart's military truck fleet. Pod Wheels Network executive producer Greg Thompson talked with Gerald by phone not long after he had first been seated in his Dart military wrap truck. As you'll hear, Gerald has quite an amazing story. Prior to joining DART in August of 2019, Gerald had recovered from a battle with MRSA that nearly killed him. He details the harrowing day that his life almost came to an end, which was the same day a Native American friend of Gerald's performed a prayer ceremony on his behalf. You'll also hear about Gerald's preparations to show his truck to his son for the first time. And now here's our conversation with Gerald Northcutt. Gerald Northcutt now joins us on the DART Network podcast. And as you heard in the introduction, Gerald is driving one of the military trucks in the Dart fleet. Hey, Gerald, welcome to the Dart Network Podcast. Good to have you on. Hey, good to be here. Gerald, tell us a little bit about yourself, how long you've been in trucking. I've been driving 25 years. Started in January of 95 after I got out of the Army. A little less than a year after I got out, decided that what I was doing wasn't good and decided to go to school and get my CDL and started running January of 95, pulling mobile homes. Started out long and wide and really haven't looked back since. So you found the trucking industry and what did you like about trucking when you got into it? Well, 25 years ago, it was just get out here and do your job. And it wasn't anybody looking over my shoulder. And I think that's what draws a lot of the veterans out here. After being such a regimented, cop-heavy organization where you can't do anything without three levels of written communication, be out here and do your job and people leave you alone. And that's what I always liked about it. You just get your to's and from's and go to your job. Well, one of the things that I've found in talking with veterans who've made the transition into the trucking industry is that there is a chain of command and it's easy to follow. It's one of those things, as you said, it's very disciplined. And I've found over the years in talking to folks who have made the transition from the military into trucking because they have worked in a regimented area that following the disciplines that are necessary in trucking, following the patience that you need, the military experience is something that comes in very handy and transitions well to trucking. Yes, I would agree. Attention to detail is key for a safe and profitable run. Everything that we learn and being part of a team still applies being a solo driver because we're still part of a bigger mission like the number of people that dart out here running the roads. I want to ask you, and I know our listeners want to know this, how did you find DART, and what has been your impression of DART? 
Well, I found dark 23, 24 years ago. I always kept them in the back of my mind. August 1st, I was almost dead from a MRSA attack in the hospital and on house bed rest with a drainage pump in my stomach and assorted organs for two months. And then after that, went back out and called guard and they said, come on aboard. And that was that. To have that opportunity after, as you said, MRSA is something that's very serious. To have a close call and then to have an opportunity to come into the DART network, what did that mean to you? Oh, I don't take anything for granted anymore. I never really did. My time in the military taught me an appreciation of what I have at the moment. You or your foxhole buddy might be dead in the next minute. You learn to have an appreciation. But with me, I can remember the doctor talking to my wife out in the hallway. And I was delirious. I was having visions. I don't know if it was just visions or out-of-body experience. But I can remember hearing my doctor talk to my wife. I could recognize her voice, but I couldn't tell what they were saying. And my wife told me later that they told her to prepare for the worst. 50% of the MRSA cases every year, it kills them. For the first three days, they didn't know if I was going to live or not. Was there something in particular that pulled you through that? I've been told that I must have a really strong constitution and a really strong spirit. And I think there might be some truth to that. But ultimately, I believe that it wasn't my time. An interesting thing, a friend of mine is a Reiki master, and she performed a Reiki session on my behalf. She lives in Iowa, and of course I was in Wisconsin. At that point, I had had a vision of a walking with an Indian princess. She was beating on a tom-tom drum, giving this chant of this tones, just kind of like a mantra. We were surrounded by a white light. I looked outside of the white light, and we were surrounded by skeletons. So I look at her and we're just walking. And she escorts me to my house in the dream. And I walk up the stairs and she disappears. I vividly remember that. And then I found out later that Carrie had performed the Reiki session on my behalf. She told me later back to what she had felt, the session of what she does. She could tell how sick I was. It was touch and go for three or four days while the broad spectrum antibiotics. My kidneys were shutting down. I was a wreck. But ultimately, I don't think it was my time. So you come into DART, you see that DART has military trucks in the fleet, and occasionally one of those trucks comes open, they put the word out, you applied for it, and then you get the word that you're going to be seated in a 2017 Kenworth T680 truck, and it was one of the first three that was put into the fleet, and it's got the Iwo Jima Memorial on one side of it. When you heard about the program, when you applied for it, you got the word that you're going to be seated in that. Tell us about that experience. My first trip down into the Lancaster yard, I saw the truck sitting there, and I'm like, you know, hey, that's really cool. Just in general, it's cool, but any veteran gives a touch of respect and honor. To me, that is just golden. I saw where the seat was available, and I didn't put in for it immediately. The second or third message that I saw about it, I decided, you know, hey, go ahead and try for it. I let it go. Two or three weeks later, Dan Winstead told me that I had been chosen to be in it, and he called me and said, hey, Lucky, how you doing? <laughs> I was like, what are you talking about? That's how I found out. To me, it was just, I, I can't describe it. I mean, it, it was like a wash of, of emotion. Very cool and, and uh, humbling. My military service wasn't all that long, good four years. I was in the Army in 1990 to 1994, served in Korea with Second Tank and uh, at Fort Stewart. 
24th Infantry Division Band and Headquarters Company 7th Brigade at Fort Stewart. I have nothing but utmost respect for the guys that came before me and for me to be out here still able to drive, especially after being almost dead, I was first. I do not take any day for granted anymore. Man, Gerald, those are great points that you bring up. And I think back to some of the previous conversations that we've had on the podcast with other members of the DART fleet who are driving military trucks. One of the coolest things that they're able to share with us is the reaction of people when they see you on the road. So you've had a chance to drive the truck for a little bit. Tell us a little bit about the reactions that you're getting from people as they see you drive your truck down the road with, again, the Iwo Jima Memorial on it, and you're pulling that dart trailer, and you're driving a military truck and having served in the military, what kind of reactions are you getting? I get a lot of ride-alongs, and I'm assuming that they're taking pictures. I get some good comments in the parking lots at the truck stop, and had a conversation today with a veteran. He served in Korea in 2008-2009. We had chatted inside the truck stop, had my second infantry division hat on, and he recognize what the Indian head is. I was at Camp Casey, Liberty Bell, Warrior Base. He served at Casey and just got to chit-chat and sharing war stories. Then I walk out and he walks out a few minutes behind me and I'm getting ready to climb in the truck. He said, I saw that truck. It's like, oh, that's so cool that you're driving it. Being a Korean veteran. And a lot of people look at me, when I say Korea, they look at me as like, can't believe that I'm a Korean veteran. The actual Korean War only was, came off of stalemate, what, less than a year ago. You were part of that force, as you said, in the 90s. That was really a hot spot for a while. I had a friend of mine who served in the 80s over there same kind of situation didn't really change that much it was always a place where things could happen nothing did or they weren't reported but it was a place of high tensions stress was incredible i was 21 and i keep the gray hairs on my chest i look back and laugh at that now i'm just about solid white on my chest now i was a cook and i was going to take command of the mess hall for our group's most northern point south side of Jung. The day that I took a tour of the facility to know whether I wanted to man the mess hall and take on that responsibility, I was with a corporal. We were just walking around, I'm looking at it, and all of a sudden the claxons lit off and the sirens blared and, and everybody on high alert. The announcement came across, all non-essential personnel evacuate, and we found out the next day that they found a puff of smoke. The guys in the watchtowers saw a puff of smoke come up out of the ground, and they investigated, and they found a tunnel. The North Koreans, as far as I'm concerned, they're still digging. They're still trying to figure out a way to get across. Thank goodness that you made it through and that you can look back at your time in the military with a lot of pride, know what you did, know what you accomplished, and be able to carry that forward. And now to be able to merge those two careers together, your military and your trucking career, and have that in one spot. You're aboard the truck right now, Park, taking a break today. To have that truck, to be able to drive it, to be a part of the DART network, has to be a good feeling for you. When they told me that I was going to be seated in the truck, I sent pictures out to my wife and to some friends. Everybody was like, hey, way cool, and my wife was speechless. My son, 14-year-old son, he's on the autism scale, but you really wouldn't know it. He's in the Asperger's side of the scale. He hasn't seen the truck yet. Oh, wow. That's going to have to be a special moment for you. To, and what yeah, do you think I, his reaction's going to be? And I'm going to try to get it on video, have the camera ready, but he will probably go into handshakes, full body handshakes. He will tell anybody at the drop of a hat that I'm his hero, that I'm a veteran. He'll look somebody square and eye. 
you know he's a veteran. Mm. He's my hero. And, you know. <laughs> For you as a father, that's going to be an incredible moment, I'm sure. Yes. I'm going to have to talk to Tammy and make sure that she gets his reaction on camera so we can put it on Facebook and share it out. I know that you and the other members of the DART fleet are working hard along with the rest of the trucking industry to keep the supply chain moving during the COVID-19 national emergency. Being able to drive that truck right now, knowing what the truck represents and what the work you're doing represents, that's got to be a special feeling as well. Absolutely. What you guys are doing right now is really a mission, a mission to move critical supplies, a mission to keep the shelves filled. Do you feel like you've kind of moved back into your military days a little bit by working through this COVID-19 national emergency? The mission kind of feels the same as what you mentioned about the military days. I may not have a battle buddy, but I've got a team around me nationwide. At the same point, being a solo driver, the military experience serves me well. Gerald, one of the things that I learned as you and I were chatting before we got the podcast rolling here, was that you have become a master at writing haiku poetry. And in fact, some of our listeners may recognize you from Sirius XM, the Road Dog Trucking Radio Channel 146, and the Freewheeling Show, right? Because you used to write a little haiku poetry for them. Can you tell us a little bit about that? That's something that I got into as more of a mind exercise to keep me engaged in the operation of the truck. So it was therapeutic for me, and I appreciate that. I used to write for my daughter before she would go into school. She's almost 28 now. She would give me a topic and whatever she chose, and then I would write a little day-in-the-morning haiku for her. That's when I started getting really good when I was challenged by people giving me topics. That is what I think allowed me to win the competition at 146. Have you been doing any haiku writing of late? Oh, I write every day. For those that don't understand what haiku is, it's three-line stanza, five, seven, five syllables. So that's the general format. You can change a little bit within the three lines, but it's still 17 syllables. For whatever the Japanese culture, they decided 17 syllables. That's what makes a haiku stanza. I write two or three every day. Do you have anything you could share with us? Between life and love, a man will do many things that border insane. That'll make you stop and think, that's for sure. The best thing that I ever heard described about haiku, Meredith Oaks mentioned that within the verse of the haiku, it was a universal thought within a single verse that stayed with me since she said that. With that thought, you can start to see the depth of what the haiku is, the potential. And I wrote one about my daughter a few days ago that says, memories abound in the minds of a father of his little girl. She's not so little anymore, so it was me thinking about her. It's just a real easy way to express your deep thoughts. Yeah, and it's, again, another way, as you said, to keep your brain engaged in different ways as you're going down the road. There's so many things you have to pay attention to. There can be a monotony to it, and you have to be yes. real careful to keep yourself engaged in different ways, and to keep right. something like that turning in that way has got to be helpful. Exactly. And I think that's the first reason why I started doing it. And then it was a challenge as to whether could I get better at it. Mm -hmm. And I've had one page on Facebook that I've had up for probably seven or eight years of Haiku from the Road. You can find that on Facebook groups. A lot of people know me as Haiku Hunt. And my CB handle is Mike Huckleberry. Gerald, it's been great to speak with you. 
I want to thank you so much for everything you've shared with us, especially how you've gotten back into trucking after a near-death experience, thinking about what it's going to be like when your son gets to see your new truck for the first time. I wanted to give you an opportunity for some final thoughts as you drive that truck around these days and anything you wanted to tell folks. The driver is not a driver. Problems that we have out here is everybody's problems. COVID is just a representation of a social problem. And the frontline fighters, you may not be able to shake their hands right now, but show them that you respect. It goes for all the drivers. Give the respect to one another. Start with each other. If you see a guy having trouble backing up, get out there and ground guide or offer a spot at farm. Respect starts at the local level. That's Gerald Northcutt, one of the new members of DART's military truck fleet. We would like to thank Gerald for his time and perspective. Before we go, we would like to once again invite you to share your feedback with us. If there is a topic you would like to hear us cover or you have an idea for a podcast, please let us know. You can use the feedback section at the bottom of the podcast player on the app to send us a note. You'll see a link to an email in the feedback section. Or if you would like, send us an email to info at podwheelsnetwork.com. We have one last reminder before we go. As the country continues to deal with the COVID-19 national emergency, please remember to follow the recommended steps that will help you stay safe and healthy out there as you do the vital work of keeping the American supply chain moving.